Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. go. Good. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to everyone who's joining online. We are so excited that you're tuning in today, and we are especially excited about the new series that we're in right now. And so we just want to say, don't forget to join the chat. We have hosts standing by online for you, ready to connect with you, pastors ready to pray with you. So go ahead and make sure that you make the most of this experience. I just want to say thank you for joining. For the rest of us in the room, Happy New Year. You look beautiful. It's wonderful to be together. We have a very warm room here at our Dulles campus today. And of course, um, in, I know in D.C. Our, our campus is, is very chilly. So we are um, working the opposite ends of the spectrum today, but so excited to be able to come together and worship Jesus, isn't it? His presence is so powerful. So, well, I'm so excited to be here with you today to bring this teaching. I think it's something that's going to inspire you and challenge you. I'm always challenged um, in our series at the beginning of a new year. And um, so I just wanted to dive right in. Sound good? In case you missed last week, you can take a few minutes later on and just grab that sermon on demand um, because it's a powerful series that we're starting. And, and here's a quick recap. We'll set it up. Last week, Michael opened our series, and he kind of set up the, the backdrop or the thought behind our series, Jesus Theory. Don't you love that name? <laughs> he shared a little bit about his personal journey in um, pursuing more heart health, okay? Getting healthier, setting goals, and he found his way into my gym. I don't own it, but I do attend it often, and of course, I'm his inspiration. No. So, um, so anyway, he found his way into my gym, and so basically, uh, the gym that I go to is called Orange Theory, and it's kind of a newer, unknown uh, gym franchise, and basically, they really focus on maximizing your time in the gym through hit it's a HIIT workout, high-intensity interval training, and uh, some of you are rolling your eyes. It makes sense. It, there's a correlation to um, our spiritual lives. But basically, he just shared how he was kind of looking into kind of what he wanted to do in, in goal setting for improving his own personal physical health. And as he was researching, he realized what I've been telling him all along is super true, and that is that you can maximize your health through heart monitoring. Did you know that? And so that's what this gym does, right? Orange Theory, that's what they do at Orange Theory Fitness. They use a heart monitor and maximize your workout according to your heart range zones. And, um, and so he'd been thinking a lot about this, and then I think he just really realized as he was meditating on what does God have for us in the new year? It's so much the same in our spiritual life, right? It's the same in our physical, you know, health. It's all about the heart. Well, our physical and our spiritual health are so connected. Did you know that? And, and, our, and when it comes to spiritual health, 
and growth, it's all about the heart. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, it's all about the heart. So the bottom line is, it's a heart issue, right? And all of us, at some point or another during the year, need to take an assessment and say, God, where am I? Where can I grow? How can I get better, right? And so whether you're a big believer in New Year resolutions <laughs> or maybe that's not your thing at all, well, you know what? It's always a good time to grow and to get better and to kind of assess where you are. And so right now, especially for us as a church, we are, as, as David and Guyana, pastors David and Guyana, who are amazing online campus pastors, um, just reminded us we are in coming into week two of our 21 days of possible. And there's no better time than to set this time aside to say, God, what do you have for me? You know, some of us are coming into 2022. I don't know about you, but you're, we're a little bit tired, aren't we? We're just a little bit exhausted. The last couple years have been a lot. And maybe for you, it feels like a stretch to expect good things out of a year. But that's when we need to remind ourselves who our God is, right? And we can set our expectation on him, not on the world around us, not on the climate of, of things around us, but rather on Jesus. And so, um, and so that's what we're really doing during this 21 days of possible. We're setting aside this time to fast and to pray and to say, God, what do you have for us? Because when you're a follower of Jesus, he, he is allowing you to transform from the inside out, Did you, right? When, we have, when you walk in relationship with God, there's a transformation that takes place in your life, and it, it is from the inside out. And so as followers of Jesus, we're always growing, we're always getting better. And the core text for our series is 2 Corinthians 7, 17. And you can turn there. You can check out the screen behind me or on your computer monitor or wherever you're tuning in from. Um, 2 Corinthians 7, 17 says this, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, the new has begun. Isn't that exciting? No matter what age, there's no age limit on this. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Anybody who's over 45, right? The old is gone. Come on, the new has come. God has something new for each of us today. Amen. And he is, and so we are constantly transforming in our, through our relationship with Jesus from old to new. Amen. So as we look into the new and what is next for our lives as a church, and even for us as individuals, it always goes hand in hand. Did you know that? God has something for us as a community, but he also wants to lead you personally, individually, hearing his voice, tuning into what he has for you, what is next for your life. It is good to be intentional about getting ourselves some healthy habits, right? Some holy habits. What are holy habits, right? Sounds unattainable. I'm talking about spiritual disciplines spiritual disciplines that become part of the, the, the woodwork of your, of your house, of your own personal life. Does that make sense? Spiritual disciplines become a part of who we are, but, but here's the thing. Spiritual disciplines are not arduous and heavy. Did you know that? Just like good health, it's usually not the extreme 
fad diet, I'm sorry to say in case you just purchased something online for four easy payments, here's the thing. It's not usually the fad diet or the extreme measure that's going to get you where you want to go over time and with longevity. Usually it's the small tweaks. It's the it's the short attainable goals. It's the things you can make decisions. You know what? I'm going to live without that or that because I know it's better for me when it comes to our health and our fitness. It's usually the small things incrementally, consistently, over time applied to our life that give us the best results over time. It's the same thing with our spiritual health. Amen? Spiritual disciplines, when practiced over time, we see great fruit coming out of our lives, right? Consistently seeking God. And so last week we dove into this series and we talked about reading the Bible. We talked about reading the Bible and knowing the Bible like Jesus. That's a high bar, right? That's a high bar. But you know what? We need to, to set our hearts, make sure our hearts stay in the faith zone. Come on in the grace zone, in the mercy zone, in the others-minded zone, in the Jesus perspective zone. We need to do a heart check and say, where am I right now? We gotta remember that spiritual disciplines, they don't earn God's love. Don't get it backwards. God's not interested in our religious routines. Come on. But, how, but when we come to Jesus and we, we apply spiritual disciplines to our life, we practice these things out of a sincere love for him and out of a sincere desire to grow in our relationship with him, that's when we connect with God and we grow in our faith and we see our lives being transformed, amen? We see the fruit of him working in our lives because it is a heart thing. It is all about the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says it so beautifully. Above all else, guard your heart. Come on. For everything you do, the Bible says, flows out of it. If you have a hard heart, it's going to affect every area of your life. We cannot compartmentalize. We cannot compartmentalize. When we're spiritually unhealthy, when our hearts are broken, come on, it affects every single area of your life. And maybe you find yourself in a season of grief, in a season of loss, in a season of hardship. You can trust that as you stay close to Jesus, he is going to walk you through this season and out of that season into what he has next. Amen? So just like healthy habits, so healthy habits in our spiritual life promote spiritual health. So we're looking at Jesus as our number one example. Aren't you glad? Jesus is our number one example. And we're looking at seven critical spiritual disciplines that are interconnected that lead us to spiritual fitness. Are you ready to be spiritually fit this year in 2022? More than ever before. Things like reading the Bible like Jesus, fasting like Jesus. That's about, that's what we're doing today. Get ready. Praying like Jesus, serving like Jesus, relating like Jesus, giving like Jesus, exercising like Jesus. Do you know that Jesus was a super fit guy? And it enabled him to carry his calling to the finish line? Come on. We can start living these today. But here's the thing that I want to give you, a little swing thought. My boys used to be golfers, and so I want to give you a swing thought as we go into this message. And this idea of spiritual disciplines. Nobody, how many of you make lists? 
Let's say this. Martina, Pastor Martina, she's got lists for her lists, guys. They're organized, color-coded, all of it. How many, some of us love making lists. Nobody has brushing their teeth on their list. Martina, if you do, we need to chat. She does. She has it on there. Nobody, I'm just going to say, I don't think, should have that on their list. As a human being, brushing our teeth multiple times a day, it's just something that we do, right? It's, it's just something that we do. Sometimes when we think of spiritual disciplines, we think of them as heavy, arduous, extra things. But the thing about discipline is when you apply it evenly and consistently over time in your life, it becomes part of who you are. It's not even on the list. It's just something that you do. It's something you can't live without. It's something when you don't do it, you notice. It's just part of you. And even if you, if you skip, some, skip, like if you, I don't know, skip brushing your teeth in the morning, I don't know, that's pretty bad. But even if you did that, you quickly come back to it, right? Because it's something that is a part of who you are. And see, that's the goal with these disciplines that we're talking about. When we're um, truly in a genuine, authentic relationship with Jesus, it's not about religion and adopting these things that become heavy things that I must do. It's about being transformed from the inside out where my connection with God is so real, I can't live without it. Amen? And when we as the creation are connected to our creator and living truly authentically in relationship with him, we live our best life as human beings. We live and experience what it is to be human at the highest level. Amen? So as I'm talking to you about this today, I want you to keep that in the back of your mind because this is not something that we need to feel heavy about. Okay, one more thing I need to do, but this is something that becomes a part of who we are and how we live our lives every day connected to God. So in week one, I mentioned Michael talked about reading the Bible like Jesus and how we must follow his example. He read, he meditated, he quoted, he battled through tough times, didn't he? with the word of God. And so our goal as disciples or followers of Jesus is in fact to be like him, that our lives are a reflection of him. Look in Luke 6 verse 40, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says this, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is, tra is fully trained will be like their teacher. Everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. My goal in life is to be on this journey of discipleship, which is a lifelong journey, and my goal at the end is to be fully trained. Amen? So that doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect every step of the way. That doesn't mean I've arrived already, but I am pursuing Jesus daily. Amen? As a disciple of him. And my goal is to look like him. And so that's why I'm so excited about this series, because today we're going to dive into the second spiritual discipline, and that is fasting like Jesus. Are you ready? It's going to be good. Jesus fasted. Did you know that? 
Jesus fasted, and he called all of his disciples to fast as well. And we're going to take a look and unpack a little bit of this. It's going to be a lot, so get your notebooks ready, get your app out, get your uh, notes open, because I have a lot of teaching for you. I have a lot of scripture, and it's going to, but I know you're all like overachievers, and you're going to follow right along. Um, and the reason why I'm saying that is because I have a short amount of time. <laughs> so open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 1 and 2 quickly. The setup for this passage is this. This passage is picking up right after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Jesus goes up, John baptizes him, and the heavens open. And the presence, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, and an audible voice is heard by everyone that was standing around and witnessing that day. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we pick up our story here, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, right after that, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards, he was hungry. Three things stand out to me in this passage, and if we have it, we can just leave the, the, the text up on the screen or just keep that, keep that uh, open on your app so you can keep uh, looking back at it. The first thing is, he was led by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. We are right now like in, the, in a time of corporate fasting, right? So I'm not saying that you need to have a personal word from God to enter into the corporate time of fasting with your church, right? Because we're all going in the same direction in unity as a church body. But you do need to be led by the Spirit as of what decisions you're going to make and what path you're going to have during this fast. Can we agree on that? And this is a great time for me to promote our fasting guide that you can find online, on our app, on our website. Find that fasting guide and read all about what it's saying because, because you need to have a plan. You need to be led by the Spirit. You need to seek God before the fast and say, God, what am I believing you for this year? And what is my plan for fasting? Because there are laid out in that guide, there's different kinds of fasts. And for the sake of time, I don't have time to go through all of that. But in our passage today, Jesus did like a full fast, okay? For 40 days and 40 nights. But he was led by the Spirit. Our takeaway is if you want to fast like Jesus, you need to be led by the Spirit. You need to, you need to listen and, and obey what Jesus is, is speaking to your heart, what the Spirit of God is leading you to do. You don't need to conform to what somebody else is doing or follow some kind of a religious pattern. But pray and ask God to give you a plan because it's easy to be thrown off course one week into the fast, anybody? Um, right? You have three weeks, right, total. It's easy to be thrown off course if you don't have a plan and if you don't have a spirit-led plan, okay? So be led by the spirit. Um, but start somewhere. Start somewhere. I love what, um, whether you're fasting one meal or a whole day or multiple days, whatever it is, be led by the Spirit. And I love what um, Jensen Franklin said in his book, Fasting. He says, he says, if it means something to you, it means something to God. Sometimes we pick and choose the easy things, you know, well, I'm going to fast TV. I never watch TV, okay? So like, no, choose something that is a sacrifice to you because we're going to talk, we're going to understand that 
Fasting helps us to keep our relationship with God fresh and our spirits sensitive to him, right? It keeps us out of the religious zone and into the relationship zone with God because it's not just something, a box that we check. We want to be led by the spirit even as we begin the journey of fasting. The second thing we can pull out of our scripture today, our text, is that Jesus was led by the spirit, second thing, into the wilderness, Jesus withdrew from his normal routine to seek God. Jesus withdrew from his normal routine to seek God. I want to read to you from Matthew 6, 16 through 18. It says, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. This verse is saying that there's religious people who will just tell everybody that they're fasting and they'll look all forlorn. That's not what God wants you to do. God wants you, God's desire for fasting is to be a secret weapon, something between you and him. So he says, and it goes on to say, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it is important that when we fast that we carve out time to be alone with God and to seek him. So Jesus was led by the Spirit, and then he was in the wilderness. He was off in a secluded place, not in a public place, but rather something where he could just be with God. He could seek God. Because let's be real about this. Abstaining from food has no power. Abstaining from food is not the point. Abstaining from food is a diet. And there's a lot in the health and fitness world about intermittent fasting and all this stuff. That is not what spiritual fasting is. Spiritual fasting is abstaining from food for a purpose of, this, of spiritual reasons, right? For spiritual purpose. So it's, it's the connecting with God. It's the abstaining from food and prioritizing the person and presence of Jesus while we're fasting. It's seeking him, spending time in worship, spending time in pr prayer and the word, being intentional. It's so important to be intentional. So if you are working all day a super physical job and you've decided I'm just going to fast and there's no time in there for you to take breaks, you are going to be frustrated, right? you're doing a very physically active job. What I would recommend is you condense your fasting into a weekend or a day off that you have, fast and dedicate that time to God, and then go back to normal life. It's between you and God, but there are some very uh, wise ways of fasting and then some others. Now, obviously, none of us are, you know, going into the wilderness for the next two weeks. So we have to be intentional about carving out that time and tailoring our schedule as best we can. I understand the challenges of having a young family because I did that. I understand the challenges of working full time and demands on us because I do that. But what I'm saying is ask God, be led by the Spirit, and ask God to give you wisdom. And then sometimes you have to make sacrifices. Some of the things, we, there's so much in our lives that we couch in to... Um, to cater to our own preferences and comforts, sometimes we can remove some of those things while fasting so that we can create space to seek God. Does that make sense? Being intentional. Fasting is a believer's secret weapon. And you know what? 
God loves to reward us. He loves to reward us. So put in the time. The th for point three um, out of these verses, I just want to reread quickly, and I'm going to need a few extra minutes. So um, let's reread Matthew 4, 1 and 2, and we're going to dip into verse 3 of our original text. Remember, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then it says, The tempter came to him. Remember, we're talking about fasting like Jesus, right? Fasting like Jesus. You can expect opposition. You can expect opposition. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was fully God and he was fully man at the same time. This is just before the launch of his earthly ministry, when he was going to be, unleash the supernatural of power, power of God in his ministry. And so it was, I believe, critical in his ministry, in his development, in Jesus's life as someone who was fully man and fully God at the same time to be led by the Spirit into the wilderness and to completely rid himself, right, of the distractions and fleshly dependencies and, the, and those things that, that we all have as human beings, right, in order to tap into the power of God that Jesus did. I want to read to you, we know that, first of all, I, we know that when, when, the, when the enemy came, when the devil came to tempt Jesus, he tempted him in three main areas. I want to read to you what First John has to say about these three areas and how they correlate and how through fasting and prayer, we all can overcome these three areas in our lives. Amen? So that's where we're going as we conclude this morning. Let's look at First John 2, 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I want you to keep these scriptures open and think about this. What is this saying? Do not love the world or anything in the world. The, the Bible is not conflicted. The Bible is not uh, saying one thing and then saying another thing. We are called to love everyone in the world. And we're called to live full and abundant lives. Amen? When the Bible is saying do not love the world or anything in the world, it's specifically talking about the spirit of this world that is against the spirit of God, okay, that comes against the spirit of God, and it clearly says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Three big areas that every human being in their journey of discipleship, on their way to being fully transformed into the image of Jesus, will have to overcome. Jesus gave us his ultimate example and was tempted in three main areas. Guess what they were? Jesus was tempted to create bread out of stone, remember? In, in the temptation of Jesus to relieve his own hunger. And he combated that through the word of God. He was strengthened to combat that through the word of God through fasting and prayer. Something that he had just done for 40 days and 40 nights. 
So create bread out of stone to relieve, you know, to relieve his physical hunger. That's lust of the flesh. That's physical, our own physical appetites. He was tempted by the devil to leap from a pinnacle and rely on angels to break his fall. That's the pride of life, okay? Lust of the flesh, pride of life. The pride of life has to do with ego, has to do with power, has to do with that power hungry fallen nature that every human being has and in living inside of them and then the final thing that jesus was tempted in this is the third thing that john talks about in first john is kneeling before satan in return for all the kingdoms of this world it's the lust of the eyes or materialism that selfishness that takes hold of us greed these are the big three that live inside of us in our human nature and as we transform spiritually we become more like christ so here's what i want to tell you the power of fasting jesus models for us that when we humble ourselves in fasting that we can supernaturally overcome the temptations of this world, the temptations of our flesh, the things that limit us and hold us back in life. Now, an additional connection to that, and this is, I know, kind of a deep dive into some theology, but in Matthew 17, 17, Jesus, do you remember, he healed the boy that nobody else could heal. Remember, he healed the boy that the disciples couldn't heal. And the disciples came to him and they said, why could we not help this boy? Jesus looked at them and he said, you faithless and perverse generation. This only can come out through prayer and fasting. Now, Jesus launched his ministry with 40 days of prayer and fasting. So Jesus spoke to the boy and the boy was healed. The disciples were wondering what they were lacking. The disciples were not fasting yet. They weren't in the practice of fasting yet because Jesus was still here. He said, later when I go, then you will fast. So the disciples didn't have all of that power yet. So Jesus said, you faithless and perverse generation. He uses two words, not by accident. Faithlessness is less connection to God. Perverse, the definition of that is actually over-connected to the world. Now we bring all of these concepts together and we see fasting like Jesus is humbling ourselves and ridding ourselves of the things that we rely on physically and detach ourselves from the things that we rely on in this world that feed that hunger for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And we can become more faith-filled and focused on God and less attached to the things of this world. Does that make sense? So fasting has so much power in your life as a believer. There's so much power. And Jesus expects that as his disciples, we will fast and we will pray. Remember in chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 6 earlier, we read, when you fast, do it this way, right? We just read that earlier. When you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, is continuing the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5. Remember the Beatitudes? It's a well-known well -known scripture. If you're new to the Bible, you can go back and read that this week. But Jesus is very clear about the life of a believer and what it looks like. He says, when you pray, when you give, 
when you fast. Three, when you fast. In Luke 5, chapter 34, the Pharisees questioned Jesus as to why his disciples did not fast. And Jesus answered, can you make friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? Verse 35, but the time will come, and we're living in that time, when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. So again, Jesus is mandating himself to us that until his return, his disciples will practice the spiritual discipline of fasting, a fasting like Jesus. In conclusion today, I just want to read to you a couple of scriptures quickly and one that is so powerful because fasting is all throughout the Bible. It's talked about more than 70 different times in the Old and New Testament. It's an important part of the life of every believer. And I know that we went through a lot of content this morning, and I hope that you were able to take notes. But in, in Joel 2, 12 and 13, it says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart not your garments. This is an Old Testament verse when actually when they were fasting and mourning, they would actually physically tear their garments. Even then, before the grace covenant of Jesus, fasting is a heart thing. Fasting is an attitude of seeking God. It's a posture that we put ourselves in. It's a choice that we can make. And it's a powerful spiritual discipline in the life of every believer. I don't know every single story, every single person that's tuning in today. I don't know what you're believing God for. Maybe you're seeking God for direction, for guidance in a, in a hard situation or whatever he has next for you. Maybe you're seeking him to set you free from an addiction or a pattern of sin or a pattern of wrong thinking. Maybe you're believing God for physical healing or mental he health healing or emotional healing from past uh, afflictions. Maybe you're believing God for breakthrough in, in your child's life. You know, there's power when a parent fasts and prays for their children. Whatever you're believing God for, wherever you are, it is a powerful way to humble yourself before God and seek Him for those areas and say it's literally by faith when we fast and pray, we're saying to God, God, we can't do this on our own. The food that gives me strength to physically stay alive isn't going to fuel the change and the impact that I'm looking for. It's not gonna fuel the, the thing that I need. Only the power of God can do what needs to be done here in this situation. And I think this is a powerful heart posture of humility and surrender. And maybe we all need to take a step forward in faith to say, God, show me where, you know, what you want me to pray about. Show me what you want to do. And really be intentional about setting that time aside because Jesus launched his ministry from this fast. And here's the amazing promise. When you fast, like Jesus fasted in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew 17, like there's a lot that happened <laughs> over the course of those years. Jesus had the power to heal that boy with one touch. And yes, he was the son of God, but he was fully human as well. 
And I believe that it had something to do with that fast. And sometimes we get into a fast and we don't always see the breakthrough, the full breakthrough that we want to see. But I'm telling you, if you are faithful to humble yourself from, a, from, from not a religious point of checking a box, but sincere relationship with God, seeking him, setting that time aside and being obedient to him, you are going to see the power of God unleashed and you are going to face situations in the future where you need to see God's power and it will be there for you to access in Jesus' name. Here's the thing. In Romans 8, the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whether you've been fasting for 20 years and this is something you know and this is something you practice regularly or you're new to faith, or you're old to faith and you're just bad at fasting, hey, um, wherever you are on that spectrum, there's no condemnation. This is, the, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin, okay? Understand, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict you of your sin and to push you forward, not to put shame on us for failures, not to put heaviness on us because of something somehow we have to achieve, but to free us into the, the new mindset that Jesus brings, amen? That we are free in him, that we are forgiven in him, that we are accepted in him, and maybe you had a rough start this first week. You know what? His mercies are new every morning. Today is a new day for you, and you can start fresh. You can start fresh. You can fast one meal and commit to praying during lunch, in the break room, by yourself somewhere, wherever you are. You can commit to that. You can commit to doing something new, something that stretches your faith, something that challenges you. You don't have to disappear into the wilderness and fast for 40 days and 40 nights. Come on. Start somewhere. Give God what you have. Watch him multiply it. Watch him speak to your heart. Watch him minister his life and his peace in that area of your life. And I just want to encourage you, restart. Start again. God is with you. Let's close in prayer, okay? I just want to pray over you now as we close. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you that your mercy follows us. And Father, we pray right now for every person here and for those tuning in online. God, you see every life and you know every single story. And Father, we ask right now that you would meet each of us in the way that only you can do right where we are. Father, that you would confirm your word. God, we desire your presence more than anything. We desire your purpose, to walk in your purpose and to live in your power in our lives, God, to see your will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't know him personally, today is a great day to make a decision to follow him. And you can right now just slip your hand up quickly. I'd love to see who I'm praying for here in the room. Or if you're online, you can click that response button on your screen. We would love to know or stick it in the chat. We'd love to connect with you. But if you're here in this room, uh, I'm going to say a prayer and we're going to bow our heads and all together close our eyes and repeat after me. If you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, to make him your own personal Lord and Savior, I invite you now to just bow your head and to repeat these, this prayer as I pray it aloud. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Make me a new person. 
from the inside out. I want to live for you. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.